to have sincere worshipers who will worship and adore him in the realm of spirit and, say it with me, truth. In, say it with me, spirit and in truth. Longs to have, Greek word die, D-E-I. It means to bind to union, into union with one another. It's, it's, it's a word for intimacy. He longs to see intimacy manifest through worship and out of sincerity that is coupled in both spirit and in truth. When we moved down here 16 years ago, we came to plant a church. That was the specific intention on our heart, to plant a church. And year one, the Holy Spirit speaks as clear as I've ever heard him. He said, I don't want you to start having any meetings. I want you to gather your little team in this little apartment that, that we had access to. And I want you to pray for all the other churches in this city. Now, looking back on that moment, I, I took it for granted at the time. Now I see the significance of what God was up to. It established a foundation in the heart of this house that carries us to this very day. You see, our hearts in that little apartment just over here in Cypress Bend, on a, on a weekly day-in, day-out basis, as we prayed for the other churches, meaning the other living stones in this community who had been brought together in relationship under different leaders that the Lord had raised up, as we began to pray for them, the Spirit of God began to show up. Not only did the Spirit of God begin to show up, but the truth of His Word began to come off the pages like in living color. And then after these times of prayer and worship where Spirit was showing up and the truth was being illuminated to us so clear where lies were being dismantled one by one in life after life after life, we would sit around a table We'd eat some food together, and we'd have communion with one another, and we would talk about the wonderful things that Jesus was doing. And all of a sudden, the Lord began to become so, so, so present in each of our lives in a way that none of us had ever experienced before. Romans chapter 15, verse 16 when we're talking about life coming through Jesus and through his blood to dispel and break death, we need to grab a hold of this gospel that Tanya was talking about. We need to understand the reality of the good news that we've actually been given. Unfortunately, I think a lot of times in a good majority of churches, we, we don't really understand what Christ has accomplished. And today, my prayer is that we would see this. Look what he says in Romans chapter 15, 5, verse 16. He says, and this free-flowing gift imparts much more than what was given to us through the one who sinned. Talking about Adam. Come on, you got to catch this. This free-flowing flowing gift called the blood of Jesus imparts to us much more than what was given to us through the one who sinned. For because of one's transgression, 
We are all facing, here it is, a death sentence with a verdict of guilty. But we don't stop there. But, oh, I love those, that little word right there in the Bible. Come on. But this gracious gift leaves us free from our many failures. Come on. And brings us into the perfect righteousness of God. Acquitted with the words, even louder, not guilty. He continues in chapter 5, verse 17. Death once held its grip. And by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. You should be coming unhinged in your seats right now. There was this lady that prayed for me and my family for many, many years before we moved here. She saw us with these hospital bands on our wrists, and I was reminding of it as I was sitting in my own hospital bed with a hospital band around my wrist from this infection that was trying to take my life this past week. And when she saw the image, she said, God has a calling on you guys as a community there's people that aren't even in your church right now that will come, that will be there for a season, some for long term. But there's a grace that's going to be over what you're up to that's going to bring healing transformation to the hearts of a generation. Spirit, soul, and body. In other words, the life of God is going to find its way into the human heart. And the power of the blood that was spilled on the cross is going to have its recompense on death that has been reigning in the heart, maybe since the time they were very, very young. I was thinking about that, and I was like, wow. You know, Jesus performed many, many miracles in his life, but his first miracle, I was sitting there in my hospital room, and I was thinking about the first miracle of Jesus. Do you remember it at Cana at the wedding? His first miracle. I believe there's patterns in the Word of God. His first miracle, I felt like the Lord said, will be his last miracle. His first message will be his last message. But his first miracle was where he changed the essence Actually, the very nature of something. He didn't just restore an eye to, to, to be able to see again or a leg to be able to walk on or, or whatever the case may be with a physical body. He actually came and changed the essence of something, water, into something else, wine. 
in our home fellowships in the early days, we were actually hosting one at our house, and I remember this moment. I'll never forget it. The Spirit of God was showing up. Truth of the Lord was leaping off the pages as we were having conversation with each other. And then as we sat around a table together at the end, broke some bread and started talking about what the Lord had done in that group, this this lady who was actually the first member of our community, the very first one, she opens up, and actually it was very vulnerable. I was like, man, are you sure you want to go there right now in front of all these people? But for whatever reason, she felt safe enough to do it. And she said, today something happened. Something happened in me. Something happened in my life. I was like, what? What? Tell us. What happened? She said, there was a part of my heart that for whatever reason I just could never let Jesus go into. I don't even know if I even knew it fully existed. But today, in the midst of the Spirit of God showing up and the truth of the Lord that we were having conversation around and and the communal uh, safety that I felt in this group, I allowed him to come into that place of my heart and something was completely transformed. The substance of what I carried in a part of my heart, it, it got completely changed into a whole other substance. Water to wine. Everybody was jo- rejoicing, and I had the fear of the Lord hit me. Because, you know, we had been through much to plant this church. We had gone through a lot of sacrificial things and some tough times, and the fear of the Lord hit me, and I was like, oh, my God. If your grace hadn't been there for us to get to where we are right now, maybe this woman's life never would have been changed. Maybe she, who knows, could have found another church. I'm sure God is just that good. But the point is that, man, this beautiful gospel is meant to transform, not keep us bound, crippled, hurting, whatever, broken, until we go to our graves. Because that's what she said. She said, I would have carried this to my grave. She told me, she said, it's the first time that I'm able to see beyond the gospel of salvation into this beautiful gospel of the kingdom where the Father is reigning in all things. So I want to just quickly, I want to to take us through the story of these two men, these two disciples of Jesus. I mean, they were disciples of Jesus, meaning that they were hanging out with Jesus all the time. They were followers. They were not skeptics. They were people that had known him and that he had known. And they're walking in Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Actually, the day that Jesus came up out of the grave, and it says in verse 13, it says, Later that Sunday, these two disciples of Jesus were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about 17 miles and they were in the midst of a dis- discussion about the events of the last two, two few days when Jesus walked up. And some verses say he suddenly appeared. It's like, whoa, who are you? And he began to walk with them on this road and accompanying them on their journey. But look at this. They were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside of them, for God prevented them from recognizing him. What? 
They're talking away. They're talking away. And Jesus, in verse 19, asked them, what things? They said, the things about Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they replied. Look at this. He was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders. His words were powerful, and he had great favor with the people. Now, pause right here. This right here, my friends, is a total spirit encounter. All the language is there. Jesus suddenly appears. What? Uh, Mighty prophets, signs and wonders, miracles, powerful words, favor with God, with the people. It's a spirit encounter. And yet, hear me, in their spirit encounter alone, they still couldn't see Jesus. This is not meant to be hard or harsh in any way. I have met some of the most beautiful people that have had the most amazing spirit encounters that don't have truth surrounding their life, and they are some of the most flaky people on the planet, unsafe. And with all that they've experienced in spiritual realms, I wonder, man, can you even see Jesus in the way that he would have for you to see Jesus? So he continues to walk with them, and they share all the happenings, how he was sentenced to death and crucified, and we hope that that he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. They even said that early in the morning, in, in chapter 24, verse 22, some of the women informed us of something amazing. Verse 23, they said they went to the tomb, and they found it empty, and they claimed that two angels had appeared and told them that Jesus was now alive. And they said in verse 24 that some of us even went to see for ourselves. They were hungry. They wanted to go find out if this was true. And they found the tomb exactly as these other people had said. So so they, 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 they resonated with the words of the testimony. But look what they said. No one has seen Jesus. And Jesus is standing right next to them. Let's let that think in, sink in for just a minute. Jesus is standing right next to them as they're saying all of these things. But they couldn't see him. So they needed a truth encounter. Dr. Warren Gage, a man in our region who I admire, he said, if you look at the entirety of the Old Testament, It is not systematic theology, he said. As a person who graduated from Dallas theology, he said, not systematic theology. It is one big, huge story revealing Jesus. And so Jesus, it says in verse 25, he said to them, why are you so thick-headed? Why do you not find it so hard to believe every word that the prophets have spoken? Verse 26, wasn't it necessary for Christ, the Messiah, to experience all the sufferings and then afterward be entered into his glory? Look at this. Then in verse 27, it says that he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself throughout the scriptures. And he started from the beginning 
and explained the writings of Moses and all the prophets, showing how they wrote of him and revealed the truth about himself. Yet, they were still unable to recognize him. On the true side of things, I met, I've met some people that know the word of God inside and out. They could quote to you verbatim, verse by verse, out of various books of the Bible. And I'm, I'm overgeneralizing here, but unlike maybe the flakiness of the, the spirit camp, you've got maybe the legalistic, kind of harsh, kind of cruel sometimes spirit that flows out of the truth camp because knowledge puffs up, right? But look at this as we close this thing out. When spirit and truth came together around a table, Their eyes were opened. Don't get distracted by the communion. Listen, when spirit and truth came together around a table, their eyes were opened. It says as they approached the village, Jesus walked on ahead telling them he was going to go to a distant place. They urged him to remain and pleaded, stay with us. It'll be dark soon. Come on. You ever, you ever had, you had a spirit encounter, a truth encounter, and yet you know, man, there's darkness coming. Like, Jesus, where are you? Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. And it says in verse 30, joining them at the Joining them at the table for supper. He took bread and he broke it and he gave it to them. Now look at this. All at once. Their eyes were opened and they realized it was Jesus. They suddenly, in a flash, Jesus disappears from their eyes. Because it was time to seek him again for the next unveiling of who he was. Oh, never ends. This one who holds all of the stars and calls them each by name. Oh, my God. Stunned, they looked at each other, verse 32. Why didn't we recognize it was him? Didn't our hearts burn with flames of holy passion spirit? While he walked with us beside him and he unveiled for us such profound revelation in the scriptures, truth. But the table took both and brought them together and unlocked something. 
You see, there's something happening in the church right now where we are finding sincere worship through spirit first. It sets the tone. But truth merged right into the midst of it. All of it being wrapped in community with each other. Real relationship. Otherwise, if we are not about that, we're just going to come to another meeting, sit under another teaching, look for another worship, Holy Spirit experience, and we will not find the breakthrough of seeing Jesus for who he really wants to reveal himself to us. We are going to be, you know, it's way, trust me, it is way easier to be a spirit church or a true church. Or maybe just have community. But God wants us to be sincere worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth, who come around a table together. John says this, closing with these last couple of verses. He said, he entered the world, chapter 1, verse 10. But it was unaware to his coming. Verse 11 says, he came to the very people he created, those who should have recognized him, but they didn't receive him. Receive is paralumbo, which means to have intimacy with him through spirit, truth, and communal worship. But look at this, and this is for all of us today, all of those watching over live stream. It says, those who embraced him and took hold of his name, Christ. Come on. You remember the early church? When the people saw them, they first called them what at Antioch? Christians. Do you remember? What did that mean back then? What did that mean? Was it some religious tag over their life, being nice little churchgoers? No, it means anointed one. It means someone who allowed Christ to be fashioned inside of their heart. They looked just like him. And the only way they could describe it, knowing that he was the Christ, the anointed one, was to call them little Christ. That's what Christian meant. They took upon his name on their lives. And there was no mistaking the difference between them and people that had not yet recognized him. And they were given, look at this, authority to become the children of God. In other words, all of the inheritance that Jesus carried within himself from the Father, he wanted to give away to sons and daughters. Come on, hang with me, come on. They embraced him. You know what that word means? It means to violently seize. Now, I'm not about hype, but I'm telling you this. There's a moment right now on the earth where there's some people that are saying, man, i got to have a hold of Jesus, and they're going to do whatever it takes to violently seize him and grab a hold of him and not let go. I remember when my kids were little and they wanted time with Papa, and I was so busy oftentimes, and they would grab onto my leg, little kids, and they would put themselves around my whole leg and just hold on, and I'd be like this, you know, walking with my child. But 
violently seizing me because they wanted to be with me. When you're desperate, you'll grab hold of whatever's closest to you. And Jesus is right there if you could just see him. Look at this. John chapter 1, verse 14. And so the living expression became a man and lived among us. And we gazed on the splendor of his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, flowing with tender mercy and truth. When you see this, when you get a hold of this, you'll never be the same again. You'll never want to let go. You'll never go for anything else. You'll never go for any other counterfeit. You'll be ruined forever. You'll be like, oh my God, this one had so much mercy. I didn't get what I deserved. And yet he spoke truth, dispelling every lie over my life again and again. I just want to seize him. I just want to hold him. divine exchange Colossians says this close with this verse because here's the truth verse 27 of chapter 1 living oh my God within you is the Christ the anointed one who floods you with the expectation of glory Lord, let your word be powerful today. Let it come and do something so profound. Flood you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded, embedded. It's not just there and it can just be tossed away. No, it's embedded. The blood, the blood, the blood. It's embedded within you. It becomes a heavenly treasure chest, Sam said this this morning, of hope filled with the riches of his glory for his people. Talking about the people out, out there, out there on the streets. You begin to walk around and you like this treasure chest, it just opens up and stuff begins to spill out of you. This hope of glory, it begins Christ in you. It begins to spill out and give people hope when they're hopeless, when they don't have any life, when they feel like death is surrounding. And God wants everyone, come on, as we take, God wants everyone to know this good news, this gift, life life poured out a body broken blood spilled into a broken earth bringing redemption blood trying to find its way into all the depths of our hearts could we just take could we eat and could we drink and could we see that the Lord is just that good for real I want you to take in all reverence and in all honor 
There's no need that we can bow low enough, Lord. We could lay prostrate on our faces and it barely scratches the surface of what our hearts feel to the king that sits on the throne. Could you drink? Could we just sing out these words? Just we're closing here, but let's just let's just go there. With everything you got, Michaela, we will lean back. Come on. Breathe. 
Lord, I ask you that whatever infection of death has found its way into any part of a human heart in this room, that through the living air of God, the life of God, the breath of God, found and breathed in in a place of rest, that you would come and restore life, and not only life, but life abundantly. For this is our portion. This is the treasure chest of our hearts that you want to fill with the life of God because of the death of Christ upon the cross. And not only fill us, but overflow God to a world. Sons and daughters that don't know